Hey, what's up, guys? This is Joel Marion, CEO and co-founder of Biotrust Nutrition. We went from zero to 100 million in less than a year. And if you want to create a life with more money, more meaning, and more freedom, you have to listen to the Shit You Don't Learn in College podcast with my good friend, Xander Fryer. How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlick Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. How's it going, everybody? Xander Fryer back here for another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And today on the Sidlick Podcast, I have the pleasure of interviewing Joel Marion, six-time best-selling author and host of the Born to Impact podcast with over 1.4 million followers on social. Joel built a $100 million supplement company in less than 12 months uh, and now also has a $10 million personal brand. Uh, but before all of this, he was just a PE teacher struggling paycheck to paycheck. This episode was filled with so many knowledge bites that we actually had to break it up into two episodes. So in the first episode, we dig into how rejection helped build Joel as a person over, over three years of rejection helped build Joel as a person, uh, something he calls the plateau of latent potential, uh, how one connection made him his first seven figures, how to deal with people around you who want to hold you down as you go for more, and how he made his first 100K in three days in online sales, and the importance of masterminds. In the second episode, we dig deeper into things like how to get connected to people to fast track your success, how one email he sent literally saved somebody's life, how religion is killing faith and spirituality, and why millionaires still suffer from imposter syndrome and everything that you think money should solve. You're not going to want to miss this episode. And don't forget, we only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and give us five stars so you don't miss another great episode. I'll see you in there. Welcome to the show, Joel Marion. How's it going, man? Hey, it's a pleasure. Pleasure to be here. Excited to uh, have this conversation and, and serve your audience. Yeah, absolutely, man. Great to have you. You know, as I'm as I'm like reading through that, and I've you know I've known you for a bit now. I just realized like Joel doesn't do anything small. Like, yeah. has that has that always <laughs> been a thing of yours? Like, I'm reading like uh, many million subscribers, hundred million dollars in twelve months. Like, has that just always been how you operate? Um, well, yes and no. Uh, I've always tried to, anything that I've ever done. I tried to give it everything that I have. Yeah. Um, uh, Unfortunately or fortunately, because a lot of lessons learned, not everything that I do works right from the beginning. Yeah. So the the beginning of my career, while I was trying as hard as I could, um, 
there wasn't much to speak of in the way of tangible results, you know? So one of the things that I just want to encourage people when you hear these big numbers, you know, I just interviewed my friend, Jamie Kern Lima, who was the founder of a makeup company called it cosmetics who got turned down by every person. She approached every outlet. She tried to get on QVC was basically told over and over again for three years that she would never, um, be a good fit for QVC. And that's the same kind of my story. When I started off writing in the fitness industry, I uh, was had article after article after article rejected. So you know now I can say I have thousands of articles published, and they say, "Joel, you don't do anything. Yeah. you don't do anything small." But like at the beginning, I had zero for a long time. You know, like for the first year of me trying to be published in magazines was zero, 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 zero. So it doesn't get any smaller than zero. Um, <laughs> so I just want to encourage people that you may be in that season of your life where things don't seem like they're happening where despite the fact that you're going all out, you're not getting a lot of uh, uh, tangible results, but stay the course. I've never seen anybody who persevered and remained patient and, uh, and did everything they could to make something happen and then never get there. In, yeah. in Jamie's case, the company, it cosmetics, who uh, she started in her living room and for three years she was after three years she was almost bankrupt um, yeah. she and then fast forward some years later not even that many after that maybe five or six years later sold the company for 1.2 billion dollars to l'oreal and became the first female ceo in uh l'oreal's 100 year history to own a, brand, a l'oreal acquired brand so she also was told by qvc for three years straight that she's not a good fit she would never be a good fit and uh that her line was just not for qvc to the point that the uh, the head guy at qvc called her she like got dressed up even though it was a phone call back then <laughs> she got dressed up put a perfume on all this stuff. she was just so excited because there's no way in the world that the head of qvc was going to call her to give her to tell her no he would just email her if it was going to be a no right but he did call her and said listen we appreciate your tenacity you keep sending us stuff and samples and everything i just wanted you to hear it from the very top not via email but on the phone that you don't need to send any more samples you don't need to write in ever again it's not a good fit it's not going to be a good never fit. never gonna happen right 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 exactly that that's QVC. She is the number one selling product line on QVC of all time. <laughs> okay, a, a, any category, not just makeup, any and every category. She went from getting a catching a break a year and a half later to uh, for ten minute segment, which led to five segments that year, which led to fifty segments the next year, to a hundred the next year, and then for three years straight, she did every single business day. She was live on QVC. 250 days a year That's and became the, the and, and this is for somebody who for three and a half years yeah. got no results if after the first year most people after a few months are going to give up if after six do months you, or a year or two think, years yeah, do you think there's some do you think there's some like tie to that correlation like how much rejection you are willing to take with how much success you end up getting a thousand percent because uh, simply because most people's tolerance for rejection is very low yeah they think that I, somebody tells me no a few times and then someone else tells me no. I mean, this woman was told no 
by everyone she approached. Yeah. Because she was pro- approaching all the name, you know, Ulta, and even try to get her products in convenience stores and uh, like Walgreens and pharmacies and stuff like that. No, 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 QVC, no. Every outlet she tried to get into wasn't working. And f- for most people, they're going to hear one no, two no's, maybe three. And then they're like, all right, this just wasn't meant to happen. You yeah. know, and for me, I came from a background being a high school teacher. When I graduated college, I went into teaching kids, health and physical education, okay? So I was a PE teacher. And I knew that that was a temporary gig for me and let's, that I was- Let's pause this right now. So yeah, everybody yeah. that everybody that knocks on PE teachers, <laughs> right? Like this is, this, this is a former PE teacher who, who now has, you know, millions of followers, you know, $100 million companies. So PE teachers- they're getting a bad rap, but continue. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, um, it's it's all about. It's not where you start. It's 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 where your your journey takes you, and ultimately where you finish, right? And that was the start of my career. Now yeah. I double majored in health and exercise science and health and physical education. It was actually my father who said he didn't. He was looking up. I remember to this day when I told him I'm doing exercise. I'm majoring in exercise science because I want to be get into personal training. Yeah, and he said pulled a newspaper article out that had uh, like a whole half of the top of the newspaper was like a hundred different professions and how much money they made per year. Yeah. And the average personal trainer income was $12,000 a year. Okay. And he said, you're going to go to college and you're spending all this money and your mom is spending all this money to send you to school. And you're going to get into a career where the average income is $12,000 a year. And he's like, I'm, I drive buses for a living. I make more than that, you know? So he's like, I'm not even, I'm not even college educated. So he's like, what, why are you doing all this? At least, you know, get your teaching uh, track as well. So I listened to him. Um, and I always knew that personal training wasn't going to be just like, I'm not just going to be a trainer at Gold's Gym or something. I'm actually going to try to own my own business and have my own studio or whatever it was that I was going to be doing on my own at the time. And my real passion was I wanted to be an author. But I started off teaching. In those first three to four years that I was teaching is when I tried to get my writing career off the ground. And again, it was it was not easy at first. It was small win, a lot of no's, small win, a lot more no's. And yeah. then- And this was, couple, this was just trying to get like articles published or was this- Right. So my, my dream was to be- an author I, at 19 yeah. years old i found a pat so i was a i was an athlete growing up yeah i played basketball i lived slept ate basketball you know that's what i did um love love the sport still do uh but it came time that I, you know we, we had a nationally ranked uh team we were ranked high in the state we were even nationally ranked um very competitive parochial school uh, that was competing in the Catholic leagues and such. Now, I knew, even though I started on the team, I was probably the fifth best player, or maybe not even yeah. at my position, I just happened to be the best player, right? Yeah. So um, I started, but I knew that I wasn't going to go on and and make a, a professional career out of it. I had to get realistic. So I could have went and played like Division three college basketball and spent a bunch of time continuing to carry that on but i said you know this is graduating high school let me go to school where not by where i can play basketball but what's going to be best academically for for you for longer term yeah right for a longer term right so i hung up my basketball shoes my sneakers and 
uh, I wanted to replace that with something. So I got, I got really heavy into health and fitness. And then and just like in business, I sucked at it at first. I spent two hours, I spent two hours in the gym. You know, I, I did a, a two-hour chest workout, you know, which was yeah. consisted of incline, decline, flat bench. And then you go over the cable pulleys and do the same thing. And then you get the dumbbells to do the same thing. You know, it was just, I had no clue what I was doing until I educated myself. But I found – I stumbled upon a guy named Bill Phillips. Bill Phillips uh, ran a supplement company called EAS, stood for Experimental Applied Science. And um, he also ran a very popular magazine called Muscle Media. And at the time, he had a blockbuster book out called Body for Life, which was on the New York Times bestseller list for a couple years straight. Um, I was introduced to that book by one of my professors at school. And then that turned me on to the magazine, and I kind of really got really yeah. um, passionate about supplements and the health and fitness stuff. And then I started learning and, I, and then I read the book body for life. I, I started to stop wasting my time in the gym to do more productive workouts. I got my nutrition dialed in and I end up winning. They have a, a, a huge body transformation contest. That was global that had over 200,000 uh, people who would enter every year before and after contest, 12 weeks to see how much change you can make in 12 weeks. So I entered that as a 19-year-old, and I ended up winning that contest for my age and my gender, male, 18 to 25 years old. Now, you said earlier, Joel, it seems like you don't do anything halfway. And the, and the, and the answer to that is just go big or go home is my philosophy. Yeah. When I entered the contest, I told all my friends at the time, I said, I'm going to enter this thing, and I'm, I'm going to win. Like I'm taking this yeah. more serious than anything that I've ever taken in my life. So I did. That ended up becoming a reality. Everyone, I think, originally, although they were my friends and they supported me, were kind of like rolled their eyes at the idea that, you know, you're going to go win this contest. But oh, man, another another crazy one from Joel. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So I won the contest, and that got my foot in the door to writing for the magazine Muscle Media. Nice. But even then, mm -hmm. that wasn't enough because then I was like, oh, well, let me try and write for Men's Health. Let me write for Men's Fitness. Let me try to get into some of these women's magazines. And because of my relationship with Muscle Media, I got a couple articles published. But then when I tried to, you know, get into these other magazines, I, my articles kept getting rejected. And I had to learn real quick that my writing wasn't good enough. Yeah. Uh, the editor was heavily ed editing my stuff at Muscle Media. And because I was a champion of the contest, I resonated with the audience. So they, yeah. they gave me a pass on my writing. But then I had to start learning how can I improve my writing and asking for feedback from editors. I think I think that's really important though, right? Like like you had to accept that you weren't good enough. A lot of a, a lot of people like especially in the self-development space, everybody goes like you are good enough. You're right. you're good enough just the way you are. and I'm like, eh, no, you're not." Right? Right. Like, I, I mean, that you're not good enough. So, yeah. for born to impact, we we have five pillars of impact. The first one is passion. I was very passionate about health and fitness. The second one is proficiency. Yeah. Which basically says that unless you're good at what you're passionate about, you're not going to get paid on it. So, yeah. Um, it, it's, you can be passionate all day, but you're going to have very little impact if you don't you, have You got you to right? get good at some point. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, for some people, you know, they go and say, I'm really passionate about music, but they're terrible singers. And unless they really work on that, there's probably not going to be a career there or they can pivot and say, Hey, I'm really passionate about music. I get, let's be realistic. I'm not a good singer. Maybe I can get involved in the music industry in some other way. It's, it's Maybe so I can be on the tech side or whatever. Yeah, like one of my, uh, we, we just interviewed uh, um, the guy who produced Harry Styles' solo album, right? And he was talking about like, I'm actually not the best musically inclined person, 
but I'm really good with people. And because of that, like I was, I love music and I was able to like create space for people like Harry Styles and Young the Giant to produce their best work. Right. right? It's the same idea. They found that thing that they do have proficiency right. to really support. Right. And exactly. You say, hey, what am I good at? And how can, and how can I plug myself into, you know, what I'm passionate about by using some of my strengths? And for me, I was a pretty good writer, but I didn't, I didn't have in some ways, but I didn't have the formula that these magazines were looking for. And when it came to the, the topics that they were looking for, the way that a health and fitness article was written for a mainstream magazine versus what I was writing, which was more science-y and a little too um, academic for that type of audience, yeah. I had to make adjustments and learn what the editors wanted. But what was interesting is I asked for feedback from the editors and they gladly gave it to me, some of, it, some of them very bluntly, but <laughs> they appreciated... That I ask because most people have the opinion that like these self-help things like, hey, this was really good. I don't know why you wouldn't want to publish it, you know, instead of saying, hey, what could I have done better? How can I make this more of what you're looking for? They went and, you know, most people would just say, hey, this is really good. I submitted all these articles. They're awesome articles. People don't get it. They don't understand my art, you know, and, uh, yeah. and the next thing you know, it's just like, well. I guess I'll just keep doing this for myself, but uh, I'm never going to have, you know, get into those magazines that I want to. And instead, you have to say, hey, what, who's who is the decision maker and what do they want, right? Yeah. Because if, if you're catering things to what you think, you know, uh, everyone is going to want, and then the market speaks something different or the gatekeeper speaks something different, you're never going to have big impact or a lot of success because you got to get your foot in the door and then you got to bust yeah. through the door. Yeah, and you gotta so, you gotta you gotta pay yeah. attention to what it is that people want. Like, um, you know, Matthew McConaughey says, uh, "Not all self-expression is art, right? right. If it's <laughs> not connecting with somebody on the other side, just because you're self-expressing something, doesn't make it artistic. Like, if it's not connecting with anybody, so you need to be aware about the other side. Or at least it's not art that anyone cares about. Sure, that, it, yeah, have, so, cares about. <laughs> it, it may have it may have some artistic component because it comes from you. But uh, hey, if you're trying to monetize it. Or if you're trying to uh, have a career or put food on the table with it, it's going to have to resonate with somebody else or they're going to open up their wallet and spend some money. Yep. I love that. So, so you're, you're getting into the, you're obviously getting into these, uh, a handful of these different uh, media spaces with your articles. Um, mm -hmm. I really want to dig into that a little bit because this is now the beginning days of like, okay, Joel's, Joel's thinking about really going for his business. But you said you spent about three or four years of like, Really trying to get published? Uh, you really cor correct. So it was really from in the beginning when I was a teacher, I was still trying to get articles published and become, and you know, a, a, an author, so to speak. And yeah. the end goal was get articles published <laughs> and then move on to books. So yeah. I did get a, a handful of articles published and then a lot of articles published to the to the point where I probably had a hundred articles published before I yeah. decided to write a book. Was a lot of that just because you were getting feedback from people consistently, like getting better? Uh, here, here's the thing. Uh, this is so many people quit because they don't spend enough time and it seems that, that this is not the path to success. Okay. It's not a linear yeah, it's not thing. A, it's not just a line. Uh, yeah. Right. It's generally speaking, it's like this, it's going to come, it's going to suck. You may even go down uh, some, and then it's going to finally come and level off. And then you're going to catch a break. It's going to go up. Then it'll probably go back down for a little while. And then you catch another couple breaks. And then next thing you know, it's like you got that momentum to where, boom, it starts to take off, right? Yeah. We call and it the me, moment, right? It's like all of a sudden you just, 
you just angle straight up. Yeah. Yeah. My friend, uh, James Clear, who wrote the book Atomic Habits, uh, references it as the plateau of latent potential, which simply yeah. means that you're going to keep going on something. It's going to seem like nothing's happening, but you're creating momentum and you're getting past the inertia phase. And then once that ball starts rolling, it picks up speed. And then what what once took, you know, um, maybe a year can now happen in a week, right? Yeah. Uh, so for me, to get my first article published, maybe, you know, it took six months. And then to get uh, five articles published, it took over a year. But then I was getting five articles published a week easily, right? Because I had, yeah. I had the relationships. I was in this magazine, that magazine. Then I was getting referred out to something else. Then I could show a portfolio to people when I pitched to be in their magazine and say, hey, look at these 20 articles. I've had this article on men's health. I had this article here. And it's so much easier to get published because I had that momentum on my side. So that is something to think about. Well, another analogy that I often give is the analogy, uh, and James Clear gives this as well, the analogy of the stone cutter where – you just think old school, someone, the job is to cut this cement slab in two, right? Or this big stone and uh, so they can do, you know, some construction work or whatever. And they're, you know, pounding down this hammer over and over again. And maybe they wail on this thing and they're hit 40 times, 50 times, 67 times, 78 times, and nothing has happened. Literally. It looks it's exactly like a, the same. Yeah. It looks exactly the same. Exactly. And then, boom, wails down on the maybe the 95th blow and the whole stone cracks in two yeah well do you think that he just magically hit it in the in the in the the best possible spot on that 95th time to where it broke in two no it was the compounding effort when it looked like nothing was happening over and over and over again and then boom breakthrough happens and you can you know then move forward with lots of momentum so i just want to encourage people again and, and i shared this kind of in the beginning if you don't see a lot happening Keep going because you you could be a lot closer to a breakthrough than you realize. Now, after having all those hundreds of articles published, I I went and uh, maybe it was, I think it was around 100 articles published. I went and started to write a book. Yeah, and I came up against a whole new set of obstacles. I'm like, man, <laughs> I'm getting pretty good at this article. Then I got you know article here, article there, and then it was like, hey, I need to land a book agent now. That was before I could, you know, I'm writing a book. I need to land a book agent. And then if yep. I get an agent, then I got to get a book deal with a publisher, right? But the first obstacle was to get an agent. I had six different agents who rejected my book. Um, and, and there wasn't a quick rejections either. These were follow-up, 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 follow-up. Hey, you're, I should be able to get time written. and energy into this. Right, this is right, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, I should be able to get to it next week. And the way the publishing industry works is, is people don't want <sighs> – the agents do not like when you do mass submissions, meaning, hey, I'm going to submit this work to all these different agents at once. And then if two people come back or three people come back and say, hey, I'd love to represent it, and you say, oh, sh crap, I got to choose only one and then tell the yeah. other guys no, then then that gets around. It's like, hey, yeah. this guy wasted my time. You know, um, I, spent, I spent all this time reviewing his proposal, and then I got back to him with a yes, and then he said, oh, hey, I already went and got somebody else. So the, the, the method here is unfortunately slow, where it's submit to one and wait to hear. Now, if I wasn't hearing back from somebody at all, different story, but I would hear a uh, received it, we'll find time to review it, you yeah. know, the, your initial bio, you know, I'll, I'll give it the time. But it would take sometimes a month for guys to get back to me and with a no. You know, yeah. so over over you know a period of about six months, I still have not had an agent. Okay, I had this book half written, but I still did not have an agent. 
I was getting ready to just say, screw it. I'm going to mass submit. I don't care if I hurt somebody's feelings yeah. because it's just too slow of a process to where I reached back out to an editor of Men's Health and um, Lou Schuler, And I said, Lou, I'm struggling. I went to this agent and this agent. And I, these are, here's the people I've been in contact with. Do you know anyone else who is in the health and fitness diet space who I can talk to or you have a referral for a book agent that you think would be worthwhile for me to reach out to and he said well a few of the names that i would have mentioned to you, you already you already went to he's like i do i have heard this other guy's name i don't know him personally but here's a name he literally just gave me a name yeah okay that was all i got so i had to go and do some detective work and i used like the wayback machine um wayback machine is like we'll bring up old web pages right yeah. <laughs> it will show stuff that's not even live on the internet anymore and because I could not find a way to contact this guy through, I found his agency, but I couldn't find a way to contact him directly, right? There's only on the agency, it was a huge agency, William Morris agency, it's a huge, huge talent agency that, who represents actors and all kinds of talent, you know, people on Broadway as well as uh, authors. So I um, I found the agency, but I couldn't find any way to contact him directly, just as a general like inquiry thing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. right, no one's ever going to get back to me. I fill out this like support support at wma right so i did some detective work found an old old web page who i I saw that it was him and he was like in his early days as a book agent right before he was working for william morris and he had uh i found his aol email address his personal email and (laughs) i emailed the guy and i said listen i'm getting ready to mass submit this i've I've talked with this person they liked it but they had a conflict with another client and you know so it's names that he was familiar with who didn't outright say the book sucked who just said you know right now i can't bring it on so and so could didn't have the bandwidth so and so had a conflict of interest with another client but this is good stuff if if you're interested let me know otherwise i'm just going to mass submit and he said hold off i'll take a look at it this weekend Took a look at it this weekend on Monday. He said, I'd love to represent the project. I signed a contract um, for him to represent me on Monday. On Wednesday, we had a meeting with a publisher in New York. And on Thursday, someone bought the book for $100,000. Okay. Jeez. Now, this was in six months of me going nowhere. And then yeah. five days later, I had a book in, deal. Yeah, for, in 72 uh, hours. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I, I went from not even having an agent to not only having an agent, but then having a, a, a book deal with a check yeah. that was being written, right? Yeah. Okay, literally in, in less than a week. So again, same story as before, you know, the uh, plateau of latent potential. It's nothing's happening, nothing's happening, nothing's happening, and then boom, big things happen, right? Now, here I am with $100,000 in my pocket. I'm a 25-year-old guy and uh, still a kid, honestly. Yep. And um, there's a lot of money for me. Uh, and I thought, like, hey, this book is going to crush. I already know this is an amazing concept. The book was called The Cheat to Lose Diet. Teach people how to use cheat mail, cheat mails to interact with our hormones to help them burn fat faster. So who's – all these – South Beach diet was the big diet at the time, right? Yeah. And I'm like, who wouldn't want to do this diet over South Beach? Like, it's just – there's no – you can't have pie or cake or donuts or ice cream or whatever yeah. on South Beach. It's not even part of the program. Once a week, I had this, and I had all this stuff incorporated, and it was just a winning concept. However, I didn't understand that you need to be able to market this to people. Just, just because you have a good product <laughs> does not right. mean that people are going to buy it. Yeah, Exactly, exactly. 
how was I going to get this out there? And I took for granted at the time that big publisher, which it was, Random House, big publisher, division of Random House, um, big publisher, they're going to get me on all these shows, on Dr. Oz and on the yeah. news and Good Morning America, and then the book will just take off because it's a winning concept. Well, I was a relatively new developing author. It was my first book, and there wasn't all these people who wanted to take me on their show. Yeah. So when the book ended up coming out, it bombed. Like literally, they paid me a hundred thousand dollars, which I think at three bucks of three dollars a book royalty, that I had to sell thirty three thousand books for me to earn out that advance. Yeah. I only sold like all time, even to this day, like seven thousand copies of the book, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and the first when it launched, it sold a few thousand copies, and then it like just it's been. Only probably because of who I am at this point did we ever reach seven thousand. Yeah, probably know? from a couple of podcasts <laughs> like this, that you actually right. sold for seven thousand. Yeah, right, exactly. So <laughs> I the book flopped. Um, I knew I was not earning any additional royalties because I was under the false impression that the book was going to get big. I had already spent all the money. You yeah. know, I start. You know, I'm 25 years old. I'm like, oh, this is this is the beginning of me becoming, uh, you know, relatively wealthy. And uh, I'm going to go to a bunch of sporting events. I'm going to sit a lot closer than I was, than I was gonna, used you're to. Gonna live, you're going to live the right. dream for a yeah. Right, right. And I did <laughs> for like six months <laughs> before <laughs> the book came out. And then I realized that, you know, this um, this was not going to be the game changer for me that I hoped it was going to be. I wanted to yeah. be, you know, a multiple, a New York Times bestselling author, have multiple books, come out with sequels, create a fr franchise around Cheat You Right Then, uh, I mean, cheat, cheat to Lose Diet, and learned very quickly. I didn't have a direct audience. I didn't have people to sell the book to. I couldn't yeah. market. I needed a bigger platform. And then I knew some guys who I was writing for the magazines with who had online information products. So they yeah. were selling their own courses, DVDs, eBooks, and stuff like that. What year is this at this point? This was 2008. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this is uh, 13 years ago. So I said I was faced with the reality of I'm going to have to go back to teaching, or I'm going to figure out Plan B. And I was yeah. not about going back to teaching. However, I had to go back to teaching that year um, yeah. because I needed the money. I was literally running out of money. And I'm like, I'm not going to be able to pay my rent. I'm not going to be able to pay my car payment. So yeah. I, uh, and I, I, I want to pause on that for a second too, because I think there's a, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that, you know, misstep their first one or two or even three times, right? Like, you know, there's stories of like Henry Ford going bankrupt a couple of times before he actually got, uh, you know, the model T going and things like that. But like, I, like I do want to point out for any entrepreneurs that are listening, right? Like, you had to go back to teaching again. Like you had to do that one thing that like broke your heart to go back to it. Yeah. Right? Especially when, and I was embarrassed. The book came out and I was embarrassed because, uh, I had been talking about it and excited about it yeah. and everyone knew I got this big advance and then the book came out and everyone's looking at the bestseller list and like, Oh, where is it? Go? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Where's the, where's the book at? And then I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I have to sell probably 15,000, like, like eight times the amount of books I sold to even be on the list for one week. Right. You know, yeah. multiple weeks. Um, so I, there was, I went into a pretty deep depression for about six months before I like almost completely ran out of money and the school year was starting. Uh, yeah. I didn't even want to like address the situation with my friends and my family because, and I think, you know, they just didn't talk about it and they left it alone because they knew, you know, that I was disappointed by it, but I, it was a low point for me. And then it was going back to teaching. And now I got to like, here I am 
number one, my hopes were way high. Yeah. And then everyone else was like, oh, Joel's about to be living the dream. And then here he is. He said all this stuff. A lot of people probably bought into it because I won the contest and all this other stuff that yeah. I was doing and got into the magazines. But then his, I think uh, some people were like, yeah, they felt better about themselves because Joel couldn't pull yeah. it off. And I feel okay staying in my job and not – because, you know, when if you're somebody who is actually trying to go make, make it out there, trying yeah. to become successful, trying to live a better life create a better life for you and your family and what have you. The people who are around you who just simply don't have that drive or ambition or gave up on that drive or or ambition at some point are going to start, most of them are going to start having this jealousy, whether they ever directly state it or not. People in your circle, including family and friends who you're close with, they don't want to see you doing better than them. Yeah, the, it's, because it's, it, it's, it's a self-check own, for them. Yeah, it's, it's their own fears and limiting beliths. Like it makes right. me worse if like Joel can actually dare and go do this thing and I, I can't, right? Right, and, and then it's just it's like, well, if he can do it you know, and I gave up on that dream, then it makes them feel like, you know, they should be trying harder, but they don't really want to try harder, you know? Because <laughs> so it, it's, it uh, it's work, because it's right. hard. <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. So they, they get conflicted. But anyway, um, here I, was, I had to go back to teaching embarrassed about it but uh and especially because i took the year off from teaching when i went uh to do my book so everyone at school all the not teachers only, not in the only did you take, not only did you take the year off you spent it hanging out at sporting events right right. All the bullshit. <laughs> right and then here it is i gotta come back i gotta face all the teachers in the department that i was with and they're like hey what happened with that book you know and then i gotta talk about this thing that i'm like loathing talking about so yeah at the t- again, I saw these other guys who were making um, a few thousand dollars a month extra selling information products. Yeah. And I said, listen, if these guys who are have their own personal training studios and stuff, who are successful, the trainers, but I, that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an author. Yep. But if they're on the side selling programs and stuff like that online and making two, three grand a month, if I really put my heart and soul into all of that, and I don't have the distraction of trying to run a studio, I should be able to make ten grand a month on that, you know. Yep. Like, and then that—that's a way—that's way better income than I'm making teaching. So that'd be that'd be super dope. So I started to learn how to create a platform, how to create an email list, how to do online marketing. Uh, I, you know, the term direct response was very foreign to me at the time, but it's like, how do I get people to my website? How do I show them an irresistible offer, get them to take off their wallet and spend money with me? Right. So the very first thing I decided to do was launch a high ticket coaching program, which was a, uh, relatively high ticket for health and fitness is $250 a month to train with Joel online. You know, I was like, Hey, why go to your local lifestyle fitness or your local gold's gym and have and and train with a trainer who may or may not know what they're doing and that's going to cost you you know let's do 60 bucks an hour times three sessions a week so it's going to cost you seven eight hundred bucks a month when you could train with somebody who has look at my track record you know yeah. look what i did with my own body transformation look at all these publications that i've been in right so um I had an email list of about 2,000 people because it did have a website, although the website was absolutely terrible. Um, and all the way back in 2008, 
this is when people still like signed up for newsletters, free newsletter, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> that's not happening anymore because people get way too much email. But the people who were, who knew me from the online publications that I was writing for would migrate over to always at the bottom of an article I wrote, there was a link back to my website. Yep. So they came back. I think the website was joelmarion.net at the time. And I, now I own joelmarion.com, but <laughs> I didn't own it at the time. It was like too expensive. It was too grand for me to buy it. I couldn't afford it. <laughs> um, so I got the .net. So people came to joelmarion.net, and there was a little box up in the corner that said free newsletter. And I had about, over the years of me writing articles, I had about 2,000 people who signed up for that. Yeah. I never sent one email out, ever. I didn't have a software that sent email. I just had a collection of emails, and I figured, like, eventually I figure out how I send these emails out, you know? Like, yeah. I, I can't just blind copy and paste everybody, right? Like, or blind copy everybody on an email and send it through my Gmail account. That won't work. It's too many email addresses. I actually yep. learned that because I tried to do it with the first 500, and, it, <laughs> and, and, it, and it, they all started bouncing back. So then I, I contacted the person who was doing my web hosting, my $30 a month web hosting and said, how do I send these emails? And like, Oh, you need an ESP, an email service provider. Yeah. And uh, they directed me to a website. I'm like, dude, this is like 50 bucks a month. You know, like I don't have yeah. 50 bucks a month to, to like send emails. <laughs> this is, that's like my, my cell phone bill at the time. So, um, He's like, well, you should, you know, if you can make more money than fifty dollars by communicating with your audience, then you should that be fine. And, uh, yeah, I was, I said, I don't, I'm not sure I can do that or not, but let's give it a try for a couple months. So, yeah. I had two thousand names. Fortunately, they were like my best fans, even though I didn't yeah, ever ever uh, contact them before. They were the people who loved my articles, looked forward to reading my articles, and all that. Built over a period of a couple years, and I I built this web page. I learned copywriting from a guy named Yannick Silver. Yannick um, had a course called the Ultimate Copywriting Workshop. Okay, I uh, I learned about Yannick Silver um, I th through another individual who was who taught people how to sell health and fitness products online. His name was Ryan Lee. Ryan Lee referred me through an affiliate link, which I started learning about affiliate commissions because I bought through Ryan. And then I was like, yeah. oh, this, he like got parts, part of my payment or whatever. Um, actually, no, I didn't buy through Ryan. I was I did learn about him through an affiliate link, but I ended up buying the course on eBay at a massive <laughs> discount. The the It was a $2,000 workshop with keeping binders and DVDs and all this yep. stuff. And... I ended up getting it on eBay for like 250 bucks. I'm like, dude, this is like, I can invest 250, two grand's too, too steep for me. Yeah. But I found the same course on eBay, on eBay and somebody shipped me a huge box with all these binders and all this crap. And I got them. I listened to the audio CDs in my car as I drove back and forth from work or if I was driving to a friend's house or whatever, I absorbed all the information. And more than anything, I studied and this is the best. This is the best teacher that you can get. I listen to the audio, but like, how are you going to just listen to audios and learn copywriting? You know, you got to have right. like have more hands on than that. Um, and I was a good writer, but I didn't understand sales copy. So what I did was I was just like, man, I read this whole long form sales letter by Yannick Silver. I wanted to spend two thousand dollars, and I something. and I bought. <laughs> yeah. Right and right, I I wanted to spend two thousand, and then I researched and found it. But man, I really wanted to spend that two thousand. If I had it, I would have spent it. Right, so whatever he did here is working. Yeah. And then I start to learn from other guys like Frank Kern and Jeff Walker about product launches <laughs> and all this stuff. And I wrote my first sales letter. I modeled one of Yannick's things for a coaching program that he had, 
And I wrote this sales letter that when somebody landed on joelmary.net, now my homepage was just a sales letter for coaching. That's it. And then I emailed that that list of 2,000 people. And I got, it was a four email sequence. Mm -hmm. First email went out and I think I got um, eight people to sign up. Yeah. Through a PayPal link. I had no merchant account or nothing. It was a pay like a PayPal link to pay me $250 on a subscription. It was a four-month minimum. And I had all these reasons why, yeah, like I'm not going to be committed to you unless you're committed to me. And it's going to need to be four months. So you're not going to see your body change overnight. And I don't have the time to invest in onboarding you if you're going to just quit after a week. So it's a four-month minimum. So and like in so if you're a quitter, don't apply. You know, and yeah. and everyone's like, oh, I'm not a quitter. It's like, um, so yeah, four months, I'm on board. So they were on an auto subscription for through a PayPal link for $250 a month. And I had eight people to sign up with the first email. So I'm like, let me do the math on this. It's $1,000 a person, four months times 250 times eight people. I just made eight grand by sending one email. And I'm worried about $50 that I had to pay to send, yeah. to, you know, yeah. for the software for the month, right? <laughs> So I send this eight, this four email sequence. The last one was a deadline email, and like, holy crap, like double the amount of people came in on the last email. Yeah, and I had fifty people now, fifty oh, wow. people that were paying me two hundred fifty dollars a month, and I'm like, dude, I'm not like I'm making twelve grand a month now, and I and like that trumped my t- teacher salary by a long shot. Then I said, well. I want to do something that's more scalable in this coaching because I still got to like work hands on kind yeah. of with all these people. Then I'm going to create an ebook where I can just sell a course. So I said, I already know my concept is really great with cheat your, you know, cheat to lose diet. So I'm going right. to change the name to cheat your way thin. I can't use it word for word because the, the, because um, it's copyright. The, yeah. The publisher's cop- copyright has the copyright to it. I did own the audio rights because we never sold the audio rights. We wanted to withhold them for some reason. My agent told me that, right? So I didn't sell the audio. So what I did was I took um, certain chapters and I created MP3 audios out of them. I just read the chapters. And I said, you're going to get eight modules. Four of them are PDF. Four of them are audio. And two of them are video. And the video ones were just me reading chapters, but on Camtasia video with this PowerPoint, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the other ones, I just summarized the program. I just literally, they were like, what to do, you know, without yeah. all the fluff and all the other stuff that has to be in a 250-page book. So I had put together this course. I wrote another sales letter for it. In the meantime, I started to network with other people who I knew were power players in the uh, internet marketing, online health and fitness space. And this is what I did. I, I knew I heard about this this um, marketplace or this you know where you would sell ebooks on this platform called ClickBank. Yeah. And when you go to ClickBank, there's a place that kind of is like a bestseller list for ClickBank called the Marketplace. Clicked at the Marketplace, went to Health and Fitness category, and then I saw the first twenty listings of all the products and who the authors were. And I said, man, these guys got to figure out these are all the bestsellers for ebooks. Yeah. So right at the top of the list, the number one guy was his name Mike Geary, and his product was Truth About Apps. Okay, he was the number yeah. one listing. Then there was like Vince Delmani and Craig Ballantyne with turbulence training, and Vince Delmani with uh, you know his skinny his skinny guy stuff and yeah. no nonsense muscle building, and then Tom Venuto um, with his Burn the Fat program. And I I printed off the top twenty, and I said I am going to become friends one way or another with all 20 of these people 
within the next year before I launched my ebook, and they're all going to promote my ebook. Rob Pulhos was on there. He had a he had a um, one of the top ranked programs, and uh, Isabel De Los Rios with uh, Beyond Beyond Diet. Yeah. Now she pays me a hundred thousand dollars to be her coach. That's a pretty all star (laughs) list that you have there. Right. So you know, fortunately, most of these people, if not you know all of them, are still very relevant and have grown amazing businesses up above and beyond where they were at that time. John Benson was on there and he's an all-star copywriter. Um, But anyway, I printed off the list. I had it next to my computer. And these are the people that I was going to tackle one by one. Kind of one of those unique situations where I reached out to Mike Geary's help desk. I said, hey, my name is Joel Marion. I'm I'm on the training advisory team at Men's Fitness. I would love to interview Mike for the magazine. I'd also love to review his book, Truth About Apps, and write up an expert testimonial. So that got forwarded from his help desk to him. He said, yeah. sure, I'll do I'll do that. It sounds cool. And uh, sent me a copy of the book. I wrote a nice testimonial for it. So I was providing value, right? I didn't ask him yeah, for anything. I was like, hey, show me show me how you sell all these ebooks. You know, I just was like, <laughs> let me provide value. Tell me, tell me your secrets. Right. I and I used what I had, you know. For, I at that point I had a connection with a magazine that I could use, and yep. you might have something different. It might be graphic design and or whatever. I had a guy who created a relationship with me fairly recently, a couple of years ago. My podcast started as a podcast listener. He said, "Hey, um, I saw the bottle images on your website for your um, for your supplements. I'm actually a graphic designer. I ordered some of your products." I did like a professional photo shoot with it and I got a bunch of images for you that you can use however you want in your marketing. Yeah. They're like really, really high quality, badass um, bottle images of our products. And I'm like, dude, this is way better than what's on our website. I'm like, so this is great. So I said, Hey, he went went and did it on his own time, on his own time and on his own dollar. He paid all the products. He didn't contact and said, Hey, send me some products and then I'll shoot it for you. He just literally went and bought the product. Didn't say anything to anybody until the, until it was done, then yeah. he contacted me, and he didn't even know if he's going to be able to get in contact with me because yeah. he had never talked to me before that. So he literally found a way to get me through Instagram DM. I saw his message, I saw his work that he did on his own time and on his own dime, and that created a relationship. And now he works for multiple companies of mine. Okay, yeah. Uh, so that in this instance with Mike Geary, I got my foot in the door, and I said, "Hey, I also have a book of buying." Um, that I'm turning into an ebook. It's called Cheat to Lose Diet. The books, the ebook's going to be called Cheat Your Way Thin. I would love to send you a hard copy of the actual book that was in the bookstores. So one one of the things that these ebook guys back then valued was like people. Most ebook uh, authors were people who couldn't figure out traditional publishing and they yeah. just wrote their own stuff and then they learned marketing along the way. But they still always had a desire to really be like perceived as a real author. Yeah. Right? So ha- having and, that hard that hard right. book makes a difference. Yeah. Right. So I said, mm-hmm. "Hey, let me send you a copy." So he said, "Sure. Here's my address." And maybe it was a God thing or whatever. He lived ten minutes from me. Okay, where I lived at. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. I'm in Burlington, New Jersey. He's in Morristown, New Jersey. I was in Morristown all the time. There was a uh, uh, like a, a sports bar there called PJ Wellahans, and I said. Hey, you live 10 minutes from me. I'd love to meet and connect with you anyway, just to grab a beer. How about on um, Thursday night, I'll meet you for a beer and, you know, I'll, I'll hand you the book in person. 
He said, yeah, that sounds cool. I'm not doing anything Thursday night. So yeah. we met up at PJ's. We sat there and had a, a beer or two and an appetizer. And we were there. He spent like two hours with me. This, is, yeah. this guy is a multimillionaire, you know, and I'm just like. And you're just, you're just I'm just, right, I'm just starting trying to figure it out after church, after teaching. But yeah, like uh, I was making 12 grand a month with, this, with yeah. this thing. I was like, just getting started. I'm like, all right. I'm like, I'm, I'm still far away, ways from where I would love to be. But, you know, this is an amazing relationship for me. Next thing you know, he introduces me. Uh, he said, well, it's my friend uh, Kareem's birthday uh, in a couple of weeks. I think you'd be great. We're all going up to New York City. He said, my friend Isabel, which these are other people who are on my list already. They're on the so, list. It's like my friend Isabel is going to be going there, and uh, um, Vince Del Monte is going to be is going to be driving down and all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'd love to go. And I and I and because we're ten minutes away, I drove with him up to New York City, which was about yeah. a two two and a half hour drive. Spent another two and a half hours with Mike. Spent. Uh, a whole evening and dinner and, and uh, you know, just in the city with all these other guys. And I started creating relationships and I started doing the same thing. Hey, listen, here's what I did for Mike. You do something similar for you. Here's how I can add value. Next thing you know, all these people on that list, I didn't get all 20 of them, but I got 18 out of 20. Yeah. Okay. Craig Ballantyne. By bringing them uh -huh. value too. Right. Craig Ballantyne at the time was a little bit, tougher to get a hold of and because it really uh, craig craig is a tremendous friend of both of ours right yeah coach a coach to both of us um one of my best friends he was in my wedding party and he is somebody who i consider a lifelong friend they go he's going on vacations with me and my kids and everything yeah. right but at, at first he was difficult to kind of get a hold with and, and connect with i ended up hiring him as my coach because i started to make some money Ended up hiring him as a coach um, to help me build my sales funnel for Cheat Your Way Thin. So I paid to play. And I did, yeah. even though I was starting to make some money, I was actually paying off debt that I accumulated when I was spending all my book money. I had yeah. $16,000 in credit card debt. So I was paying off my credit cards and I didn't have much there. And I went and I spent a few grand to hire him as a coach just to get my foot in the door with Craig. For some reason, uh, Craig took like a strong liking to me. Uh, when yeah. which he was, we all know Craig is a much different person than he was 12 years ago. But at the time, he was very antisocial. So, you know, very antisocial when it came to like really having close relationships and friendships. He was a good business coach, but he just kept it was really all business, right? Yeah. And if it was transactional. Then he was he was that was fine. He'd, he'd show up to the meeting. He'd provide what he said he was going to provide, but that was it, right? There was no no. No friendship yeah. after that. But for whatever reason, I think I was able to like start to de-shell Craig. So I got in with him. He helped me launch the book. It was funny because I was paying him three grand to help me launch it. I had everyone else in the entire industry who was going to promote the launch. And he's right before we're about the launch, he said, I'm going to pass on promoting. It's not, it's and not he's, for my he's the, he's the one that you're paying. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> He, I'm like, can I count on you to promote? I'm like, this is really the only reason why I'm paying you is because I, you were very difficult to get a hold of. And the only reason why I'm paying you is because, sure, I wanted I wanted some help with the coaching. But really, I wanted you to, to promote. And that would pay, end up yeah. paying for the three grand and then some. But he said, I'm going to take a pass on it. And then he ended up, when he saw what happened on day one, he yeah. ended up jumping in 
and promoting it. But um, so we launched that. The whole industry that I had become friends with, and and I did it by adding value. It wasn't sure. There were some stars that aligned with me to Mike Erie yeah. li- living ten minutes from me, and I took the breaks that I got. But man, I had to I had to nurture those relationships. You hear the story of um, our friend Tim Grover, who was Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant's and Dwayne Wade's trainer, okay, and many yeah. many other um, all star athletes. But he got his his reputation by training Michael Jordan. And then the Kobe's wanted him, and then Dwayne Wade's wanted him, right? But people were like, oh, yeah, you trained the greatest of all time, the greatest athlete of all time. You caught the biggest break in the world. Well, if, if he showed up and he sucked as a trainer, he would have been fired immediately. He's not getting right? the opportunity. Yeah. Right, right. You, you got a chance, but if you didn't capitalize on that opportunity, you would have been out the door quicker than you came in. Yeah. So – when I hear stories like that and people say that, look, look, you're going to catch some breaks along the way, but you have to you have to maximize the opportunities that you receive. With Mike, I had a break. You know, I caught a break with his proximity to me and then him inviting me to that dinner. And these things, if you put in enough time, these things will surely start to happen for you. You can't just put in tons of work over and over and over again and then all like over a 10-year uh, period – nothing lines up something will line up eventually you got to capitalize at some point the stone is going to break if you keep right. striking it yeah exactly so we launched the ebook and we sold it as a 47 dollar ebook with a 97 dollar upsell version deluxe package was 97 dollars, and it was a pre-checkout upsell they didn't have they didn't have one click upsells at the time that was yeah. they didn't even exist so you you basically showed somebody an offer. They clicked to say, I want it. And then you go to the next page and you said, hey, not so fast. I actually have a way better offer for you. You know, if you want to continue with your regular order, the link's below. But you know, listen, listen to this, right? So we had like 30 or 35% of the people who upgraded to Deluxe. The rest of the people stuck with the $47 package. The average order value on the funnel was maybe 60 bucks or something like that. Yeah. And all the affiliates had converted really well. All the affiliates were making really good money. It ended up because I had so many people promoting it at the same time and no one had organized that kind of launch in the fitness space at the time. It was bananas. I mean, like yeah. I remember um, we launched, it was launch day and I logged into my click, but I had so much anxiety going into it because I didn't know how I was going to do it. I knew all these people were mailing. I had all my ducks in a row, but then I, um, I woke up the next morning uh, I think I went to bed at like two, two, three o'clock in the morning. It started at midnight. I didn't even check my ClickBank account between twelve and going to bed. I was like, I, I'll just check it in the morning. I woke up probably around like nine a.m. I called out sick uh, at work because I yeah. there was like way too much going on. So I was like, I'm just gonna, I need to be here for this. And I logged in my ClickBank account, and it said, I didn't know how ClickBank works, right? Because you're paying commissions to affiliates and all that. So I log in. And it's like 10, 9, 10 a.m. And there's $25,000 in my account. Okay. So yeah. I'm like, let me call ClickBank because I think I still got to pay the 75% commission on this. Yeah. Right. So, but even then, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I made like six grand already. Right. And so I call ClickBank. And I was like, hi, this is my first time, you know, promoting something on your platform. Um, you know, this is my first day of sales, actually. I said, I logged in and I see $25,000 here. I'm like, do I still got to pay my affiliates out of that? And it's like a general customer service rep at ClickBank. And so I'm like, do I still got to pay my affiliates out of that? Or is that is that like my portion? She's like, oh, no, yeah. honey. She's like, oh, no, honey, you're doing great. She's like, it's, 
that's all yours. The commissions come out and they're going to the they go into the affiliates account automatically. That's the beauty of ClickBank. I'm like, oh, it's, it's, holy crap! I'm like, it's nine a.m. I already made twenty five grand. Yeah. So by all was said and done, in the three day promo, it was a three day launch. I made over a hundred thousand dollars, which was the same thing that I made from my book, which was paid out very slowly over these different phases of a of a book. You get thirty three thousand dollars up front, thirty three thousand dollars when the manuscript is approved, and another thirty three when it gets published, and that's a year and a half process. Here, I made in three days what I made on the book in a year and a half. Yeah, and. Now I said, I got all these customers and I know what to do with them. And I have an email list and I understand email marketing. And this is not going to be the last $100,000 that I see. Like I can actually do something with this now. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm like, now it's game time. Now it's like, this is this is $100,000. I'm going to very quickly turn into 200 to 300, whatever. So um, my whole goal when setting, uh, when doing this ebook was that if I can get my income through this ebook plus the coaching to 20 grand a month, 20 grand a month. That was like my first initial ceiling, right? I'm like, yeah. if I can get 20 grand a month, I'm good. Like, that's, that's five times what I was making as a teacher. And I'm making over 200 grand a year, which I associated with doctors and lawyers, right? And I'm like, yeah. man, I'm like, I'm, I'm making doctor right, money. Yeah. Right, right, right. I'm like, I'm, I'm freaking making bank. So mm-hmm. then I made a hundred and some thousand dollars in three days. Then I, re- I had to recalibrate what was possible for me, right? right? Next thing you know, before the end of the year, I'm making on autopilot. Uh, launch was in April. And then in the fall, I was making 50, 60 grand a month just from my email list. Right. And then the next year, I was making 100 grand a month, you know? And then I graduated from there. And then we started the supplement company. And well, the, the backstory of the supplement company is because I became known as the launch guy in health and fitness for ebooks. Uh, everyone who's coming out with a new product or trying to break into the industry or even established in the industry and wanted to run a big launch was contacting me to partner with them on launch. Yeah. So I met a guy uh, named Josh Bazzoni, who we ended up partnering on a book. It was a referral from my buddy, Rob Polos. He referred, said, hey, this guy is doing big things, spent like $300,000 on infomercials. He comes from the EAS and Bill Phillips, who you're very familiar with. Um he is looking to take his, uh, his his book that they did an infomercial one and make it into an ebook and launch on ClickBank. So we ended up connecting. We agreed to do a partnership on the launch. We launched um, Seven Day Belly Blast Diet was the name of the product, and we did over a million dollars in gross revenue, not take home. I think it was the four hundred thousand dollars in the ClickBank account, you know, yeah. from Josh's ClickBank account, but over a million dollars gross revenue in less than a week. Now. My first launch did three hundred and seventy thousand. My next launch after that did six hundred and something thousand. That was right when one click upsells were became available with my friend John Romanello that I partner with. Then I launched my next product called Extreme Fat Loss Diet. That here's Extreme Fat Loss Diet backstory. It's like so much stuff. I just want to show you guys that just because somebody tells you no that it's not going to work, or whatever, like you do, that that does not dictate whether that's reality or not. Yeah. So I got all, my my whole cheat your cheat to lose diet bombed, and then I turned it into a multi million dollar revenue stream for me, right? <laughs> and then extreme fat loss diet was a twenty five day rapid fat loss program. It was kind of crazy the way that I set it up. It was five day cycles that had cheat days and fast days, and like it was kind of all over the place. And I had submitted the article like maybe a year before that to Men's Health. 
to Lou, Lou Schuler, who re- ended up referring me to my agent, so I can't knock him too much, but <laughs> or at least gave me the name. Um, but Lou said, this is the most ridiculous program I've ever seen. There's literally no one in the world that's going to do this. That's what he said. Right? There's yeah. literally no one in the world that's going to do this. And, and he said, no, we're, like, we're not interested in publishing MN's Health. So I said, yeah. okay. Um, I knew it was a good idea, though, because people want to lose weight really fast. 25 pounds, 25 days. Everyone will be on board with that. I don't care what Lou Schuller thinks about it. I'm going to make yeah. that my new, my next ebook after Cheat Your Way Thin. And then my, my buddy's product that I uh, partnered on. We did extreme fat loss diet. It was the first. We did 370, 370,000, then like 600,000 with John's product. And then the first ever ClickBank ebook launch to do over a million dollars was extreme fat yeah. loss diet. The, this is the one that's that an editor, a very prestigious editor of, of a magazine, told me literally no one will ever do this. No program. one ever. Right. Yeah. right. And <laughs> I sold a million dollars worth of it in three days. Yeah, and then we relaunched that product every year for three years straight, and we did over a million dollars every single time. Now I launched this thing with Josh Bazzoni. We did one point one two million dollars on that launch, and then he came to me about a year later, um, and we just loose. You know, we kept in contact. He was a business friend of mine, and uh, we didn't we weren't in business together other than that you know one week launch that we did. And he came to me, and we would cross-promote each other's stuff, and he came to me about a year later and said, hey, I want to get back into supplements because this whole ebook thing is cool, but supplements is where it's really at. Someone yeah. will buy three bottles at a time instead of one ebook, and then they'll come back and they're going to run out because it's and, consumable. And they'll keep, and they'll keep and then going. They'll, then, they'll, then they'll keep buying it over and over again. He's like, it's, it's, it's way better. He said, plus you can build a company with equity value in it. Um, and I'm like, what's that? You know? And he's like, you were, <laughs> he's like, where you can actually sell the business. And that was so yeah. foreign to me. I was just like, man, I'm a solopreneur here. Like I'm, I'm still writing, like I'm editing HTML code on my, on my webpage yeah. still, you know, I have no team like me and one part-time customer service it was great for profits, but I was still working all the time. And, uh, he's like, no, it's like, I have a team that can help. And I know people in the industry. He's like, I just want you to run the marketing, and I'll handle all the formulations and all the, you yeah. know, the, the actual the actual operation side of the business. The delivery. So I thought yeah. I thought about it, and I said, all right, well, let's go because I always wanted to to own a supplement company. I'm writing for these magazines that are associated with supplement companies, Bill Phillips, Body for Life, and and uh, EAS. And I'm like, that's your background. Yes, was the coolest thing going. They had all these athletes that were representing the brand and all that. I'm like, all right, let's do it. So started this company called Biotrust. And as you mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, that is the company that we went from zero to $100 million in our first full year in business and pretty much shocked the world of what was possible on how you could grow a company as quickly as we did, one of the, one of the fastest growing startups of all time in our category. Yeah. Um, and now over six hundred million dollars in sales later, maybe seven hundred million. I haven't checked the, the, the actual numbers in a little bit, but um, you know, but you can see where my journey came from. You can see from people like like uh, Jamie Lima, and you can see from Xander's story that like everyone started somewhere, had a bunch of obstacles and setbacks in the beginning. They could, they chose to continue to press on and try to figure it out. At some point, they caught a breakthrough, caught some momentum. Then the balls start rolling down the hill faster, 
And yeah. now here we are today, right? And we have these success stories where people are like, dude, I could never do that. I could never achieve that. $600 million in sales, that's crazy. Like, that's just so far away from anything I could ever accomplish. Could you accomplish being a health and physical education teacher, making $42,000 a year? Could you accomplish getting one article published? Could you publish, Could you accomplish then moving on to getting 10 articles published? Could you yeah. accomplish getting rejected uh, by all these agents? And finally getting a book deal and then the book flop. Could you accomplish that? Like, like these are not big wins, right? There's yeah, some, is, some this, small this is wins. This the not fun side of right. like success. This is all the right. crap that we all have to go through. And then the momentum kicks in and things can start taking off pretty quickly. Once I launched my first ebook, I made $700,000 net that first year. Yeah. So my income literally went from $42,000 as a teacher to 700 700k 700k my first year the next year i made a well over a million dollars yeah and then i was i worked my ebook business up to doing 10 million a year gross and i was my take home was like three and a half four million bucks as yeah. an, i'm like i used to make 40 grand a year you know like and, and i had to all these things that i just kept going to to find you know ultimately There's, success yeah. Yeah, you, you talked about the law of latent potential and like how much work you had to put into that for three, four years before it it actually happened. And then you crack that, you know, that ceiling and all of a sudden everything changes. Right. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think a lot of people are there, you know, who may be listening to this podcast and maybe they got turned on to personal development. They stumbled upon, you know, shit you don't learn in college podcasts and maybe some other ones. And they're excited about the future and what could be possible for their life. And right. And then they go and try some stuff. And they're like, man, that's a bunch of crap. All these guys are talking about, like, I've been doing this for three months and nothing happened, you know, and it's going to be that way. You know, it's going to be that way. You have to refine your crafts. You got to make connections. You got to get your foot in the door. You got to create relationships. You have to find ways to get connected. One of the fastest ways that I can tell you to get connected to people, if you have the opportunity, if you heard of a mastermind group, and I'm not saying my mastermind group, but any mastermind group, uh, if you can join Gold's Mastermind yeah. Group, I'm in it. It's phenomenal. <laughs> well, that's also at a price point that's cost prohibitive for anyone who's just starting. For, for right? a so, lot of people, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, I mean, that's a hundred thousand dollar a year group. Xander is one of our members, and we have amazing people who are in the group, as well as loads of instructors that are all running nine figure businesses. But yeah, I, I started by investing in coaching and, and, and with Craig and that was I invited to a live event that was a small mastermind okay yeah uh, and and then there, I upgraded to an annual mastermind later that was you know I think fifteen thousand dollar a year thing and then it, since then I've invested so much in coaching and master masterminds because it's the fastest way to buy speed to success because you're you're getting connected with people and, who can help solve problems yeah pro- right. proximity you're putting proximity yourself- to people who can real like Fortunately, I got that uh, relationship with Mike Geary who really fast-tracked to me. But if I would have paid to be in a group that Mike Geary was in, I could have got that relationship that way. And you saw what that did for me in my career, right? I would have easily paid for that. But, you know, that's that's a story in which I didn't happen to pay. It just happened to be somewhat of a luck thing. And I think that... Regardless of whether you're paying or you're you're you know giving someone your time or something, you're finding right. ways to get value, and you're finding to ways connect. to connect. How am I going to connect? Yeah. And the easiest way, quite frankly, is to pay for it. <laughs> you know, you yeah. it's like, hey, there's somebody that I want to connect with. I know they're in a certain group, 
or they'll be at a certain event. And sometimes it's just going to an event and then and then uh, finding ways to get together with them in person, wow them in some way. With um, you know, my friend John Roland has a company called Giftology, the Giftology Group, and he uses over-the-top gifts to get people's attention. Sometimes to create relationships, and people go from having zero relationship with somebody to literally melting their face off to where they're in tears from this magnificent emotional gift that they received. And next thing you know, that creates a friendship, a a bond that like, then they get to know the person as long as you're not like a complete douche. Like you're, you have your foot in the door of a relationship that you wouldn't have otherwise been able to create so there's lots of different ways i think to get like, your foot in the door yeah for yeah, like as you're going through this story three people that were pivotal pivotal for me starting out one was actually uh john romanello um mm-hmm. i paid to be in his mastermind and then i got connected to craig through that and then with craig he needed a writer for early to rise so i went and did some free writing for him for early to rise so i contributed my work um and then the third one being jack canfield I literally just reached out kind of like how you reached out to um, Mike Geary and just offered my time. I said, I just quit my job. I have no idea what I'm doing. Can I come help you guys? Mm-hmm. And and that's all it took. The next day I had a flight out to Arizona to go support. But the three ways to just make sure you have proximity, like commit your time, commit your money, commit your skills, whatever you can do to to get that proximity. And I think I hear that throughout your entire story over and over again. It, the, the fastest way... To leap, you know, you don't have to have a three-year story of nothing happening. You yeah. can skip a lot of that by just getting proximity to people who can fast track, you know, where you want to go, give you advice, teach you how to do things. I didn't even become open to the idea of ebooks until I had failed by a bunch of other stuff. And yeah. finally, like, and, and that was like I just stumbled upon that. But like if I was in a group where someone said, look, I have I'm I have a, a passion for health and fitness. I want to be an author. I'm trying to get a book published. Somebody would probably say, hey, I got a better idea. Why don't you self-publish? There's a pl- platform called ClickBank. Skip that traditional stuff. You're going to make $3 a book, sell it for $47 a pop, pay affiliates, and even after your 75% commission, you're going to be making 15 bucks yeah. a unit. You, you know? make money, they make money, everybody's happier. Right, yeah. exactly. And I wish I would have got that advice a long time before that as I would have went that route instead of wasting – two years on a book that didn't end up working. But it's part of my story, you know, and uh, and I can help other people by doing podcasts like this, share my experiences and what worked for me and what didn't work for me. But hopefully you can listen to this and, you know, skip some of that, get involved, get proximity, like Xander, Xander said, and there's three easy ways to do it, right? Not easy, but three ways to do it. Yeah. Give your time, pony up some cash and pay for proximity or donate your skills. Yeah, I love it, man. All right, that's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton. Thanks.